As we open God's Word together, let us go to Him in prayer. Lord, we want to know Your will. We want to understand Your Word. We pray that these next few minutes, Lord, that You would make it clear to us as it relates to work and uh, overwork and laziness. Lord, give us wisdom, give us guidance, give us clarity as to what You're calling us to. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, Ronald Reagan humorously once said, I've heard, that, <clears throat> I've heard that hard work never killed anybody, but why take the chance? You know? And when it comes to work, you know, we all have these different reactions to work. You know, some of us see work as you know, a necessary evil. And some of us see work as you know, a means to an end. I work so that I can do other things, right? And then some of us immerse ourselves in our work. And so the question is, as a Christian, what should our relationship be with work? How should we view work? And what I see is that there's usually two reactions to work. And I'm going to focus on the second one more so than the first, because that's our topic. You know, we're going through the seven deadly sins, and the sin that we're discussing today is laziness or slothfulness. I went with the laziness because I just don't use the word slothfulness much. Um, but I went with laziness, which pretty much means the same thing. And so I want to talk about two reactions we have to work and then focus a little bit more on the, on the second reaction. The first reaction to work is overwork. And to overwork means to give unnecessary time to your job. You know, we know there are seasons, and some seasons require more time than others to give to your job. But when I, when I use the word unnecessary time, what I'm saying is that you, you give above and beyond what's needed for your work. And so you give to your work in a way that... Uh, kind of takes away from your other responsibilities and your other callings. And when we overwork, what we tend to do is we tend to try to define ourselves by our work. And therefore, the, the more we work, the more we produce, the better we feel about ourselves. And when we overwork, we tend to, like I mentioned before, we tend to uh, take away or... Um, fail to fulfill those other responsibilities in our lives, those other callings that God has called us to. And there's usually a breakdown. When you overwork, when you have a, a perverted view of work and you overwork, you tend to have a breakdown in relationships between your spouse or your family, your church family, your relationship with the Lord suffers. That's what happens when we overwork. And there's more that can be said about that you know, as far as how we find our identity in our work and that drives us to perform and to, to work hard, to work more than necessary and, and, and uh, negate these other aspects of our lives. There's more that can be said about that, but I want to focus uh, more so of our time this morning on the second reaction to work, and that is laziness. You know, the, the, what it means to be lazy is to avoid as much work as possible, Right? When you're lazy, you want to avoid as much work as possible. And there's a story that is often told about you know, people that are on their deathbed. 
And it's often said that, you know, when, when someone's on their deathbed, they never say, I wish I would have spent more time in the office, right? You've heard this before. And, uh, you know, that story is, is helpful for some of us. Those of us that tend to overwork, that story is helpful because what it does is it causes us to step back and say, you know, am, am, I, am I giving too much of myself to my work? And am I neglecting the other callings in my life, the other responsibilities in my life? Maybe I'm giving myself too much to this one area of my life. And I should step back and reevaluate. That's a good, I guess, purpose of that story. But on the other hand, that story could also communicate this. Work is something bad that's to be avoided, Right? No one ever says, I should have spent more time in the office. Oh, so work must not be good. You know, it's something to be avoided. It's a means to an end. Therefore, it's better that I not work. And that could lead us into the sin that we're talking about today, laziness. And what we're going to see as we turn our attention to the Scripture is that we were created to work. And we were also created to rest. And as we form a biblical understanding of both work and rest, it will keep us from sliding into overwork as well as keep us from becoming lazy. Like I mentioned, if you're prone to laziness, you see work as something to be avoided. Something that you want to do as little of as possible. And the scripture gives us several warnings against laziness. And I want to read a few of them to you. Proverbs chapter 6 Verses 6 through 11. This is what the writer of Proverbs says. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber, and want like an armed man. And so the writer of Proverbs says, just look at the ants. The the ants have a a pretty good view of work. You know, they gather, they do what's needed to have their provision. And so what about you? When will you get out of bed? (laughs) A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands, and poverty will overtake you. In other words, you will not have what you need because you're lazy. Proverbs 18.9 says, Whoever is slack in his work is a brother to him who destroys. And this is interesting to me in that the writer is saying that uh, the person who is lazy is a relative of the person who destroys. They're brothers. And then Proverbs 19.15 says, Slothfulness cast into a deep sleep and an idle person will suffer hunger. Again, it's hard to take hold of God's provision for you when you are lazy. When you fail to fulfill your calling. Proverbs 21.25 says, The desire of the sluggard kills him for his hands refuse to labor. In other words, the lazy person, he wants the fruit of work without the work. So he has the desire, I want the fruit of work, but my hands don't want to work. And so the the writer of Proverbs says the desire of the sluggard kills him. 
Because he wants it, but he doesn't want to work for it. And so he doesn't have it. He doesn't have what he needs. And so what we see here is that both overwork as well as laziness both pervert God's design for work. And so I want to look at some scripture here. And I want us to see that God, and what you're going to see is God, He has created us both to work and to rest. Or another way to put it is He's created us to create as well as recreate. And so I want to share three purposes of work that I think will keep us out of the ditch of laziness as well as out of the ditch of overwork. And the first one is that work is worship. That we can actually worship God in our work. In Genesis 1 and 2, we read that, the, that God creates the world. And He says, it is good. And He creates man and He puts him in the garden. And He tells him in Genesis 2.15, He took the man, He put him in the garden, and He says, I want you to work it and, and keep it. And then He creates woman as a helpmate to come alongside man to fulfill this mission, which includes work. And the reason I share that with you is because we know that Sin does not enter the world until Genesis chapter 3. And so what we see here is that work is a pre-fall activity. We were made to work. And then sin enters the world. Genesis 3, I want to read a few verses from that chapter. Genesis 3, 17 through 19. This is what we read. To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree which I commanded you, you must not eat from. Curse is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat food, food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow you will eat your food until you return to the ground since from it you were taken. For dust you are and to dust you will return. So what happened? Well, we were created to work. Work had intrinsic value. It was good. And then we sinned. And God, because of our sin, the ground was cursed. Sin affected everything. The whole creation is broken. And now he says, you will continue to work, right? Work is good. It's something you'll continue to do. But the fruitfulness of your work will be affected because of sin. But you're still called to work. You will still eat, but it will take a little more hardship on you, you toil. It'll be a struggle, but you will still work and it will, I will provide for you through your work. You will eat bread by the sweat of your brow. And so what we see is we were created to work. Work is is, uh, valuable intrinsically, but the fruitfulness of it has been affected by sin. But what we see here is that, like I mentioned, the first thing here is that we were created to work, but work can be an act of worship. And this will dramatically change how you view your job, whatever your job may be. The Apostle Paul tells us this in Colossians 3, verse 23. He says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters. And so do your work and do it well, but do it for God. Not just for your boss, or not just for your company, or not just for your family or your community, even though those things can benefit from your work, but do it unto the Lord. In other words, 
Let your work be an act of worship, that you're doing it in service to the Lord. So whether you are a businesswoman or a, a housewife, a stay-at-home mom or stay-at-home dad, or maybe you are an engineer or a lawyer or you work at the convenience store or you, know, you, you work for the city, whatever it may be, or whether you're a pastor, the charge is the same, and that is do your work, whatever your work is, do it unto the Lord. Let it be an act of worship. Now just think about this. How would your approach, how, how would your approach to your work change if you saw your work as a calling from God? You know, we call what we do our work or our vocation. And the word vocation comes from a Latin word. Uh, and the Latin word there is vocatio, which means calling. This is your calling. And so when we say our vocation, our work, this is what we do. But actually it comes from this idea of calling. We're called to work. And so how would your work change if you saw it as a calling from God? You know, oftentimes we think of, you know, the preacher or the missionary having a calling from God. But I would say that whether you are a teacher, a, a preacher, pastor, a missionary, uh, a mother, a father, uh, you work at the convenience store, all of those are callings. It's what you're called to do. It's how we work. It's how we carry out how we're designed, how we're made. And we can do it as an act of worship to the Lord. Just think about how your attitude towards your work would change if you saw it as an act of worship to God. And so when you begin to understand work is a calling and not a curse, and it's an act of worship, this will guard against laziness, right? Because you'll see work not as just a means to an end or something just to get done, but this is something I can participate in and worship the Lord with, and actually it's good. Uh, the second thing that we can see here about work is that our work is tied to our provision. Genesis 3.19 says, By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food. In other words, there is a connection between our work and how God provides for us. Paul says it this way to the Thessalonians in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6-15. Because some of them were kind of, they were idle. They were being lazy. They were not working. And so Paul writes this to confront that. He says, In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers and sisters... To keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive and does not live according to the teaching you receive from us. It's interesting that idleness and disruptiveness tend to go together. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we do not have the right to such help, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. We hear that some among you are idle and disruptive. They are not busy, they are busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the food they eat. And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. Take special note of anyone who does not obey our instruction in this letter. Do not associate with them in order that they may feel ashamed. 
Yet do not regard them as an enemy, but warn them as you would a fellow believer. And what we see here in the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's a connection with how God provides for us our daily needs. There's a connection with that in our work. And Paul's saying, do not be idle, but work. So we ought to avoid laziness, idleness, and seek to contribute through our work. And the third uh, purpose of work I see here is that uh, work is an act of service. Your Adam was uh, given the opportunity to cultivate the garden, tend to it, cultivate it. And if you've ever, you know, gardened, you know that you have to you know, till the ground, you plant. It's, it's very organized. There's order to it. And out of the order and the care for the garden, it produces fruit. And so Adam is given this opportunity to take the raw materials of the earth and create something, create a garden. And then as time go, has gone on, we've created several things out of the raw materials of the planet, right? And because of our work, because of our creation, our ability to create out of what is, what is here for us, it contributes to our community. And not only can be an act of worship, and it can not only just meet our needs, but it's actually our work can benefit the community as a whole. And there are several of you that, that had a job, maybe you're retired from that job now, or you're currently in a job that by working, yes, God provides for you. Yes, you're doing it as an act of worship, but also your work is benefiting our community. Like when you go to the grocery store and buy food off the shelf, it had to get there somehow. It didn't just pop on the shelf. Somebody you know, raised those animals or grew those crops and then it had to go through a process to be placed on the shelf. And so as you work, whether it be in that field or some other field, you are contributing, you are serving the greater community. And although you may not be you know, in a garden like Adam was, uh, through your work you're caring for and you're creating for the good of the community. And working is a way that, that we love our neighbor. Think about it. You know, working is a way to love our neighbor. You know, helping to, to bless them with our services, uh, trying to do things well, trying to help them and make our community a better place. And so understanding the biblical purposes of work will help us to avoid both overwork as well as laziness. But it's also important to see what the Bible says about rest. And I just want to touch on this just for a second. And that is, you know, when God created us, He created us for this cycle. This work-rest cycle. We're called to work, but we're also called to rest. We're called to work because we're creating God's image, and God is a creator. But God also rested after He created all things. And therefore, he modeled for us what we are to do as well. That we are to work, but we're also to rest. We're, we're to create, but we're also to recreate. And the word recreate means renewal. We rest so that we can be renewed. Now, this is where I think this is going to challenge our thinking a little bit. Because I think our, our tendency is to think of work as a means to an end. In other words, I work so that I can rest. Right? I'm working for the weekend. You know? I'm working so I can get to the rest portion. And that's kind of the way we view it. 
And what this does is it, it makes work look like something to be just, you know, I have to suffer through it. Um, you know, it's just a means to an end. It's something to be avoided as long as possible. The more rest, the better, you know. And that leads us into laziness. But when we see work as a calling, as, as something that we we're made to do, uh, we're challenged to see the work-rest cycle a little differently. Whereas we tend to see uh, work as a means to an end, as a way to get to rest, I think what we see in the Scripture is that we, we rest so that we can work. We don't work so that we can rest, but we rest so that we can work. You know, we rest to be rejuvenated so that we can continue the work God's called us to. We don't work just so that we can see how much rest we can get. Because that leads to laziness. And even if you're retired, you ought to be working. I mean, you should be doing something. You should not be idle. We're to be working, using the gifts God has given us for the good of those around us. And as an act of worship to Him. This is the cycle. In the scripture, what we see is, in the Old Testament, there was a cycle of working six days, resting on the seventh day. Right? That, was the, that was the cycle among God's people. And I think it's a healthy cycle. I think there'd be something to uh, mirror today, practice today somehow. Uh, it's a healthy pattern to follow. But what I want us to do is I want us to see that, you know, if, we, if we're going to avoid the ditch of laziness and the ditch of overwork, we must see work as a calling and not as a curse. And if we're going to avoid overworking, we need to see our identity in Christ rather than how productive we are in our work. Right? We need to see our identity in Christ rather than our work. And we must be willing to participate in rest. The rest is a good thing. And so my prayer for us this morning is that our rest would be rejuvenating. And our work would be an act of worship to the Lord. Let's pray together. God, that is our hope. Lord, we want to rest. We know we need rest. You've created us. Uh, we need sleep. We need time off just to recuperate, rejuvenate. Uh, Lord, that's the way you've made us. Showing us we are a dependent people. We need you. We need rest. And we know ultimately our rest is in Jesus Christ. It is through His work. It is through His work that we can rest secure in your family. And we acknowledge that, Lord. And in our daily work, God, we ask that you would help us to appreciate and enjoy and not feel guilty about resting, but also help us to have a healthy view of work that we may work to the glory of you and that we would work uh, seeking your provision for us as well as the good of those around us. Lord, help us to have a biblical view of both work and rest, that you may be glorified in all that we do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.